Hello and welcome to the How Long to Beat podcast. Uh, once again, I am Rick, joined by Alex. Hello. And Paula. Hello. Uh, and this week has been a quiet one. I've only finished seven games, um, but we're going to talk about what I and everyone else has completed. Um, we, <laughs> it's been a weird one. Um, we're going to talk about what I and everyone else has beaten, retired, currently been playing. Uh, we're going to talk Pokemon or Pokebronk, if you will, because it's... <laughs> It's not good. It's, it's nearly <laughs> as bad as that pun. And we'll uh, we'll see what we think about all that. And then we've got the first round, the first game of a new round of the brand new format of How, how long, long to, to Be, be how long to the, the game. game. Now I just wait until I hear how. how. <laughs> yeah. I... <laughs> One day I shall build that trust back and then I shall crush it again. <laughs> so. It will not be today, though. But not today. Um, why don't I jump in first of all? Um, I actually need to try and sort of remember a lot of what because it's been a minute since we've recorded. We had all <laughs> talked about sort of beatings. We had a guest episode, and then there's a new game plus that's just come out, and now we're here. Um, so the first game I beat, which helpfully I didn't have a lot to say about, even when I remembered playing it, um, is Yu Yu Hakusho, Maku Toitsuten. I think I've butchered that, but it is one of the uh, one of the first games that Treasure ever made. It's a Mega Drive uh, one-on-one fighter, and it's in Japanese. And I didn't have a fucking clue what I was doing. Who I was playing as, don't know what the story was, um, but I beat it. I, I got through the to the extent that these games ever had a campaign. Um, it felt good for a fighter, as someone who knows nothing about one-on-one fighters, really. Um, I had a, a, a fun enough half hour just bashing through this on an emulator. Um, do I recommend it? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I, I don't have anything more on that one. Um, the next game I beat was Transruby for Switch. So this is from the developers of Kamiko. It is a 2D... I wouldn't call it a puzzle platformer, really. It, it's like a... Um, it's an action game. I, it, it It doesn't really fit any prescribed thing you're going around it it's kind of a collectathon um you have to collect these um gems to open the doors to the next area there's technically a story the story doesn't really matter um it's a fun shortish well put together action game great podcast game easy thing to sort of just switch off to and and zen out to um i really really enjoyed this one it's one that we played a demo of in Mm -hmm. a next fest um it's got nice chunky pixel art everything's tuned quite well it all feels good in terms of uh motion combat there's a reasonable amount of secret stuff to find um it's a little bit metroidvania in that there's a few things that you can only collect with power-ups down the line i suppose the metroidvania is kind of what it is but it felt more like a platformer than a metroidvania there's only a couple of power-ups that you actually get because it's not that long a game and they're not really super revolutionary stuff. Um, I suppose the one thing that was kind of interesting was that you have a melee attack. That's your standard attack. You also have a gun. Um, that gun has limited ammo, which you can rebuild by killing enemies. Um, it can also be used to freeze enemies. And what you can do is by freezing enemies, when you attack them, they have a chance of dropping a health pack. Um, so there's this risk reward where um, you know that certain buttons will require so many 
shots um, to activate. So uh, there's this balancing act of how many shots do I need to conserve versus how badly do I need to risk those shots for a chance of getting life off an enemy. Um, and that does lend some weight to moment-to-moment decision-making. It is a really good game. It It's tricky because two weeks on, I don't feel like there's all that much to say about it beyond it's good. And that feels like an indictment on it in a way that I don't, I don't mean it to. It is a really good game, but it is the kind of game where you play it, you enjoy it, and then you just kind of move on. It, it doesn't really play on your mind all that much afterwards. There's not a lot to play on your mind. It's a bit popcorny in that sense. Hmm. Um, that sounds good because I really want to play one you, this one. I, I was going to say, are you planning to? I think you should. I think it's the kind of game that you would really enjoy, particularly sort of between some of the bigger stuff that you've been tackling. Um, and it, it's a different one to the Castlevania stuff in that there's a lot less to manage like you have a couple of resources and that's kind of it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I really like it. I don't feel like I'm doing a good job of conveying that I really liked it, but I did really like it. Um, I liked it a lot more than my next completion, which is Minoria. Um, so this is a spiritual successor, if you will, to the Momodora games. Um, they've gone for a 3D cel-shaded pseudo-hand-drawn art style. And they've moved away from like a stock Metroidvania to being much more of a um, 2D Souls-like. It's not a good game. Um, it, it's not even necessarily bad, but it feels horribly unbalanced. Um, the graphics are the first big downturn. They look wonderful in screenshots. I think I mentioned this when we spoke about it last time. But in motion, awful, horrible. Really not a good look. Very um, amateurish, I think is probably what I'd say. The combat, and whether this is like meant to be a Souls-like thing, I don't know, but it didn't feel right. Um, enemies take, you know, eight, even the most stock enemy takes three or four or five hits and can kill you in as little as two. Um, the placement is quite um, mean. Mm. The map isn't particularly easy to pass. Um, the boss fights were relatively good albeit, you know, a couple of them felt, again, quite cheap. It's a hard one to get a bead on because, on the one hand, I really, really, really enjoyed the developers' other games in the Minori- in the Momodora series, forgive me. Um, and there's a degree of disappointment that it wasn't in a similar vein. But I also recognise that maybe this is just aimed at a completely different demo and it isn't for me. Nevertheless, I had quite a bad time with it. I didn't enjoy it. Don't feel like I can recommend it. Um, Maybe if you're the kind of person who's loved a game like Salt and Sanctuary and you want more of that kind of fix, maybe this scratches that itch. But for me, this was just a phenomenal disappointment, ultimately. Um, It also does that horrible thing at the end where um, you get a binary pretend choice that makes you feel like there is no ending rather than there are two endings. And that's Ah. just not not a good way to end your game, Um, especially when the story was so superfluous to start with. Anyway, um, next game I played much more of a story focus on this one is a game called Adios. Um, this is a really, really um, not obscure, but like under discussed game. Have either of you come across this one at all? No. No. So the concept is this. You are a pig farmer 
who has a side hustle feeding um, mafia targets to those pigs for money. Um, and one day your mafia contact comes with some more body parts and you tell him this is the last time that you're ever going to do it. You've decided you're done. Um, and the whole game revolves around your day um, with that mafia contact, him trying to convince you to change your mind, you being adamant that you won't, both of you knowing that if your mind can't be changed, you're going to die. You know too much. You can't be allowed to live without being involved. Hmm. I wanted to like this game a lot more than I did. The back of the box concept, incredible. Um, the graphics, quite the opposite, albeit it's a two-man team and they've gone for probably more than they really could do. It's a very ambitious 3D um, art style. The animations are what let it down rather than the models. Um, lip syncing is not quite right. Movements are quite stiff and janky. And there are a couple of moments that were supposed to be quite emotionally affecting. But for me, at least, were detracted from by what I was actually seeing on screen. The writing's really good. Um, there's an interesting layered story and, and something that this game does that I absolutely fucking love and I really want more games to do. Uh, there are some dialogue choices where it will give you choices and you will choose them and your character won't say them. And it's a way of almost evoking in gameplay that idea of I want to say something, but I can't. Mm. And it only did it a couple of times, but every time it did it, I found it really, really effective. Um, on the whole, hard recommend in the sense that it's just over an hour long. Mechanically, there's not a lot to it. You could watch a playthrough and get basically exactly the same experience. It's a static story. Um, and I think at like £15, it's, it's quite a big ask for what you're getting now. I got it in a bundle. I think in a bundle or a discounted sale price, if that elevator pitch sounds interesting to you, the story is worth experiencing as long as you go in with your eyes wide open to, to the deficiencies of this setup. Um, it, it's a game where the the lack of size in that team really does diminish it and you can see where they've had to um, pair things back and cut corners and make things um, fit within the constraints that they're working in. Um, and that's a shame because it, it does take away some from the game. I am glad I experienced it. I'm not sure that I could recommend it. I think deep sale price, to repeat myself, it's worth taking a look. Mm. Um, and actually, to be fair, I think for both of you, it's the kind of game that you would really vibe with. Um, I think for for our little audience where there's more of an openness to trying different things, um, with these kinds of games, it, it's probably something you're going to be more receptive to. Mm. Um, and, and again, to repeat myself again, the story is really good. <laughs> but, and that but is the problem. Um, next game, or oh, actually, do you want to jump in with a couple, Alex, and we'll break these up? Because I actually think I've got quite a lot to say about the next three. Sure, yeah, why not? Um, <clears throat> so I beat Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor. Um, which actually be a while ago now. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's tricky. <clears throat> that's what it is, right? It's just a great game. I, I thought I was going to maybe play through the DLCs. I was like, nah, I'm fine. Um, I just wanted that core experience. <clears throat> the DLCs are fine, but it's like, I, I just didn't feel any need to kind of extend my play through, you know? Um, hmm. I do really love the way that this game, like, it paces itself very well, I think. And in particular, like, 
there because there's basically two zones that you go through, right? Like it's open world in a sense, but it's kind of like open world zones, I guess, where you have like one map and then there's another map that you can kind of enter into. And that first map is really all about sort of teaching you the nemesis system and kind of getting you used to like the traversal and how things work. Um, and it's not like handholding or anything, but it, it is really just like showing you things that you can do. Um, and like we, I think we talked about this with, with Nalva actually, where it's like that, um, that sort of introductory campaign moment with Ratbag very much is like teaching you a, one technique of like dominating and control that you can have that will become a thing that opens up to you in the second part. And the second part I found, it's just very fun because now you're able to dominate and like send orcs against each other and like, um, really mess around in the, in the ranks and have like, you know, commanders that you can do your beck and will. Um, and that was the one where I was suddenly like, didn't really give a shit about any of the campaign stuff. I was just off doing my own thing, which is what the real strength of this game is where it manages to, cause I guess a big, a big issue and it doesn't fully sidestep this, but I think it does sidestep it the most when you compare it to similar open world games of this ilk, um, where, you kind of realize that like you're playing a game where it's just like, okay, this is open world, but you got to go here, 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 you win. Right. Um, and it's like, oh, okay, I guess it's open world, but that open world is really just there. And the actual story is, you know, through all of those little checkpoints that you have to go through. Um, yeah. Linear path and more scenery, basically. Exactly. Like, you know, breath of the wild, might be one of the games that, does this as well pretty well but at the same time it is still just go to those four things um to win but at the same time you kind of can't fully like a like a you know like i'm saying you can't really fully get away from that because you need something right um and so i think both of these games do it very well where shadow mortar is like okay yeah you know you're gonna have to go do a couple things but you can do that however you want like and have a good time and like you can create all your own fun and you have multiple different ways of achieving this one goal and what i really love is that like eventually you know you do a couple campaign missions and then it's like okay well now you need to do you need to you know convert these five people and there are a myriad of ways of doing that and there are absolutely no like required areas for you to go to to do this you can do it any way you want have fun and they've built it up so that you have so many tools at this point um, that when you get to the time where you're allowed to just kind of go off and do your own thing, you really know multiple ways of doing it. And it's like, I don't need help anymore. I know what I can go do. And so I think it's one of the best, the best paced um, games that I've played in a long time where like when it ended, I was like, yeah, that was the right time. Like that was good. You didn't overstay your welcome. There's a ton of shit. You could, you can pour more hours into this game, but even then, there is an upper limit to the amount of stuff that you can do within it. It's like, as much as I love Yakuza, right? You could spend, like, I think your entire life in a Yakuza game, <laughs> um, mm. which can be nice for some, um, and I think is wonderful because they create such lived-in worlds there. But sometimes you're a little like, fuck me, okay, I just I just want to, you know, <laughs> just want to play the game. Um, and this one does a really good job at streamlining that. So, yeah, if you've never played this game, like, I highly recommend it because while it is probably the best lord of the rings game or like the two of them together i would say um it's also just one of the greatest open world style games that has been made honestly um in the kind of vein of assassin's creed we all know them right the, the outpost 
Tower Games. <laughs> it's probably the best of it, which is funny because it feels a little bit like it was like, oh, yeah, okay, hey, that's good. I see what you do. And like, here, we'll do what you've been wanting to do, but better. <laughs> it's like, fuck. <laughs> it's an interesting one time-wise in the sense that I think as good as the Nemesis system was, it was seen as derivative when it came out even, mm-hmm. like for the most part. But looking back, like you say, it is one of the better examples of that kind of game design. Yeah, and you realize that it's like actually significantly unique compared to all of them, especially now with how many have come out. You're like, well, no one's been able to do what they did. Um, nope. And it's like, not even it, them with the sequel, arguably. Yeah. Um, though I think the sequel um, had a lot of, uh, what was it? Um, like a lot of studio interference. But then once that was able to back off, the final product that you play now is very fun. Um, hmm. But if you were there at the time, it was a bit of a nightmare. Um, but that's yeah. one of those examples of like, as time has come on, the game is much more fun. It, it, it's a bit of a Bethesda game. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> that's not about Bethesda, but we know how that works. Um, anyway, so that was uh, Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor. I had a great time with it. It's, it's, it's one of the closest to like a perfect game for me as games can get. Like there are issues with it, obviously, but it's just like one of those things where you're like, but even so, extremely enjoyable. Um, even with the blocky, funny design of the characters, <laughs> the Cro-Magnon um, design, I'll call it, you know, big men with big brows. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also beat Pentiment, the new game from Obsidian um, on, uh, on Game Pass now. This game is fucking awesome. Um, it's. It probably rivals Disco Elysium in its writing. Um, and mm. in its in its conceptions, I mean, Disco Elysium is a you know special, interesting thing. But what I would actually say, you know, and this is what's interesting is like Disco Elysium is one of the best written games of all time. Probably is the best written game of all time. Um, but it's also uh, fucking verbose, um, <laughs> you know. Or like sometimes <laughs> it's like you could shut up for a few minutes, Disco Elysium, <laughs> but you know, like it's like a little too much. This one is incredibly well written and, and it's incredibly concise, and it helps the fact that it's told through dialogue, right? Um, to give you a little bit of context of what this game is, it's set in 16th century Bavaria, I think, but it's like it's in the Holy Roman Empire. Um, so think of yourself as in like uh, a German- Germanic lands, we'll put it that way. You're in this uh, town called Tassing, um, and it's Tassing is the city underneath uh, Kirsau Abbey. So there's a big abbey up there with a convent and with uh, so with nuns and with uh, monks. And you play as Andreas Mahler. Um, so Andreas is this apprentice and he's he's in his what are called his wandering years. This was like a really common um, thing in, in this time because I'm going to put on my historian hat for a second. <laughs> um, society used to be like capitalism wasn't really a, wasn't a thing. Right. So society was run through guilds. Right. So you had um, craftsmen. So essentially you could. If you wanted to become something like, uh, you know, um, uh, a blacksmith, a, I don't know, uh, you know, construction, uh, working in, you know, masonry um, or an artist, you had to apprentice um, and you would typically apprentice under an individual. um, But eventually you would also be off and that you'd have to create what was called like your masterwork. And that could be different for um all different guilds and trades right and so essentially you're creating something that would deem you to become a master 
Um, and so you would have what are called like the wandering years, which are years where you're in, you kind of go around and you can learn from different people and you can kind of experience and see different things um, before becoming a master and kind of working on your vocation fully. And so Andreas, when we meet him, is in the midst of that and he's working on his masterwork. And he's at Kirsa Abbey doing illuminated manuscripts. And illuminated manuscripts were these really like it's within ancient books you would see like all these older books and bibles and whatnot you would see these really beautiful illustrations that have like the kind of the gold leaf and like the kind of look at those are called like illustrated um uh oh no i literally just said it illuminated manuscripts right because like the idea mm-hmm. is that like there's illustrations but they're also they're they kind of literally glow <laughs> um and so at carousel there's like one of the last um bastions of this practice because obviously the printing press has come along at this point and so the printing press you know revolutionized everything because you can imagine creating an illuminated manuscript you'd have these monks who are literally writing the script and then others who are illustrating them it would take years to create one book right Um, and they're incredible works of art but they're expensive and they take forever and so obviously with the printing press coming along that shit was kind of falling to the wayside, right? So you're you're kind of at this town at a moment when things are really changing and this abbey is like really under um, a lot of uh, uh, pressure. And the historical accuracy within this game is incredible. Like it's, they they worked with historians um, on this thing and like the the director, he like he did his, um, his first degree was in history of this time period. So, like, he mm. loves this stuff. It's like, this is a big passion project for him. Josh Sawyer, I think it was. Yeah, and it's, it's a small team who did this, like 13 people, I think. Um, and uh, so it's it looks at, like a medieval painting. Like, that's the art style within it. And what's really cool is that each of the characters, um, when they speak, they're sort of written in, like, the way they would write. So, like, for instance, the local printing like the the man who runs the printing press, his speech bubbles are like a printing press. You'll hear the and like it comes on and like you'll actually see at first how it used to be done where it's like comes on black and then it flipped up. And uh, sometimes you'll see typos and then you'll see like a little and it like gets fixed as you're going along. And it's like really, really kind of cute and beautifully stylistic. And um the kind of overarch of this, like it's, there's not a lot of like game to it per se, because again, it is a narrative adventure game, right? So this is in your kind of ghost trick worlds, um, Ace Attorney, like um, almost visual novel, but more involved than a visual novel because you make quite a few decisions and you get to move around, right? It's not like you're just like pressing, like to advance the story. You actually have to like explore the the town. Um, because like a 13 Sentinels-esque thing. Yeah, I think that is actually the best the best way of looking at it. It's like 13 Sentinels without the combat sim. Um, mm. and, and it's more linear, obviously. But yes, exactly. 13 Sentinels, I think, is a really good um, way to look at how this works. Even, even stylistically, in terms of like the 2D playing kind of thing, I think that's, the best, that, that's probably the best comparison. Um, but there's a murder that happens. And so you, in basically someone gets accused and you know that can't be the person. But what's really interesting about this game is that it's a murder mystery, but you will never, ever know who actually committed the murders. Um, You will accuse people and they will be sentenced, but you will never find out if they were the one who did it or not. 
because it's not really what the game's about. Um, the game is very much about the relationships that you build with the people of the town. And there is an, a larger overarching mystery that is quite satisfying and they will reveal things to you. It's not like they're just going to be like, who knows? But part of the point is like, when you think about it, even today, this is a thing, but like, how are you going to find out who actually did it, right? Like there's no, unless someone sees it, Especially back then. What, are you going to run a DNA test? Get fucking, you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing you can do. You know? You, all you can do is create a case against someone and convince the people, right? Um, so it takes place over 25 years. And you get to watch this town grow up. Yeah, so there's three acts. And so you have your first act, and then there's a big time jump, and then there's another big, big time jump. So you get to watch these people grow. And, you know, it's interesting, because as I started playing the game, I was a little more and like you have to decide kind of, especially in the first part, like who are you going to have dinner with? And like it splits it up based on the way that um, medieval life was split up, which I think is really wonderful. Um, and you get to learn a lot about how the medieval day was run and how um, we are actually, we always like to talk about, you know, oh, the dark ages or whatever. And you're like, they had way more rest than we did. <laughs> life was like rough and, and tough, but we have a particularly worse way of living at this point. <laughs> way better in some ways, way worse in others. Um, everyone break broke for like to eat multiple times throughout the day. It's wonderful. But anyway, um, so uh, it's a really like, uh, it's a really beautiful game. And when I first started, I, I didn't talk to as many people, right? Like I would like kind of be like, no, I want to just keep going and like learn the story. But then as I played the game, like I got really attached to the people in this town and they're very real and they have these wonderful conversations with you and you get to really learn them and you, you get to, um, you get to really role play the, the person that you're playing as quite nicely and you get to really shape how they respond and, and who they are as an individual. Um, and so there are some like dialogue checks moments, but they're not like, you know, I mean, this is the guy who made Fallout New Vegas, right? Like, it's not like New Vegas where, you know, you have like, oh, you have speech 50 or whatever and you just pass. It's like, no, if you have to convince someone of something, the game basically pays attention to just like how you responded and how you act with these people, right? Were you kind of a dick to one person? Well, they might not listen to you. Did you actually sort of support them in this area? Well, then they might actually be more willing to listen to you, right? Like, it literally is just tracking what are your relationships with these individuals, um, and yeah, it's just, it's a really, really magical game that, um, is so unique in its presentation. And it's like, it's like the procession to Cav, uh, Cavalry, Calvary. No, it's not Calvary. Cavalry. I can't remember. God damn it. It's that stupid extra little word that they have in there. Um, uh, it's like that game, Ruh -ruh. except it's not, um, what do you call it? It's not overly humorous. It's a funny game, but it's a serious game as well. Right? And it deals with some very serious themes, especially with the peasantry. Um, and if you know anything about this time period in Europe, you might know kind of what's coming a little bit uh, within this um, because there's definitely some kind of unrest that's going on within, uh, within the world at that time. So as there always is, right? Um, anyway. Yeah, that's Pentiment. I super recommend it. It's on fucking Game Pass. It's a no-brainer. Like, especially because you're going to know, like, super quick if this is a game for you or not. Um, it's one of those ones where it's just, like, after, like, I, I really think after the first, like, 10, 15 minutes, you'll probably re realize if you're kind of going to be in this for the long haul or not. And so, like, I just recommend 
trying it out, especially if you just want a really, really strong narrative um, with some really kind of wonderful people. And then you get to watch, you know, little, little kids that you'll meet grow up and like meet their older selves in it. And like, it's just really cool. It's really cool. Nice. A couple of things I do want to throw out on that. Obviously you, you name checked the, um, I think the lead writer, the guy who sort of mm-hmm. had the history degree and was like influential in setting it all up. He recently did an interview on the friends per second podcast, mm-hmm. really insightful. Um, it was what kind of reminded me the game existed and it is what I'm interested in getting to at some point. Um, interestingly, he also, um, name checked the procession to Calvary in mm-hmm. that interview. And I can't remember if it was that interview or somewhere else. They cite i.e. Obsidian um, Game Pass as one of the big factors of a game like this being yeah. viable at all, which is definitely an interesting take. Obviously, I still have my misgivings about um, Game Pass as a um, as a path forward for the industry, just holistically. Um, having said that, I am still taking advantage of like a year-long <laughs> free entitlement that I get for it. So um, I'm kind of um having my cake and eating it at the moment yeah. but i will i will say it's interesting because I, I remember i saw him talking about an interview too where he said that's actually the only reason his game got greenlit because he brought it to the top brass and he was like listen this is a game that sure shit won't sell a lot um is going only needs a couple people to make but it'll look great for a game pass. And like uh, his bosses were like, yeah, sounds good. And then Xbox was like, fuck yeah, sounds great. <laughs> so I was like, there yeah. you go. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is because like he, he had been thinking about this game for a while, but he had actually shelved it until they got bought by Microsoft and then was like, well, <laughs> I'm not going to pick the game pass scab now, but like, yes, that, that is an interesting wrinkle yeah. to the creation of this game. Well, there's always good and bad. Um, but, yeah. 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 Pros and cons all the way around. Right, I'll jump back in because I've got a couple more now that I've had that little break for me. Um, <laughs> little Noah, Sion of Paradise. This is one I name-checked, um, I think, is a game I was playing um, when we spoke to Nelb last week. Literally beat it the next day. Uh, <laughs> this is an interesting roguelike. Um, for those of you who missed that conversation, uh, the big sort of novelty or the big USP for this roguelike is that um, you pick up characters who you can slot freely into a single combo that you have on your main attack button or have as special skills or can sort of buff you passively um, in your inventory. From a systems perspective, this game is phenomenal. Um, you can tell that some of the environments are a little bit samey. That there's certain areas that they cut corners, but I think they cut corners in the right places. And on the whole, the, the actual game itself... It's one of those games that I couldn't put down until I'd finished it. Um, maybe errs ever so slightly on the easy side. There's maybe a little bit of wonkiness in the difficulty curve. By that, I mean I was stuck on... There's like 15 levels that you have to clear in one single run in order to beat the game. Um, there's an element of path branching, um, and a couple of those levels are boss fights only, but they're split into three discrete chunks of five. Um, for the first few hours I was playing... I was stuck in that first chunk of five pretty solidly. Um, I don't think I was ever stuck once in the second chunk of five. Once I got to the last chunk, on my second attempt in that last chunk, I got to the final boss. On the third or fourth attempt at the final boss, I completed the whole game. Um, and that that's not necessarily a criticism per se. It's just that for me, that balance didn't pitch sort of linearly. Um, 
the game's got a lot of replay value as well if you are so inclined uh, because there's lots of um, little unlockables and achievements and um, like meters you can max out far beyond the base experience. There's a new harder version, there's challenge modes, um, stuff I plan to come back to at some point, but for now I'm very, very happy having cleared the base game. It's really, really good, and it, it's a crying shame that more people aren't talking about this game. Um, it's not very expensive. It's on basically everything, although I have to say I really, really enjoyed playing it on Switch. I think perfect pickup and put down sort of game for that. Um, I would recommend it to anyone. I think it's a really, really good game. Even manages to squeeze like a pretty competent, albeit you know not breaking any mold story in there. And I actually quite enjoyed the story, but you know, in, in spite of its its minor limitations, the whole package is really, really good. Um, and that was a, a, a wonderful little discovery. Um, always nice when you find those ones that people aren't really talking about and they just come out of nowhere and surprise you. Hmm. So anyone who's listening, both of you, absolutely check this game out. Um, penultimate game I completed this week, Steel Assault. So the Switch, this is a game that's published by Tribute, but it's like a solo dev. Um, it is a little bit like Shovel Knight. It's like a throwback to an older era of games. In this instance, like your Mega Drive three-button um, action games. It's good, but very, very short. It's certain elements of it are a little bit thin. I don't mind that because it's a single dev effort, but it's something to bear in mind if you're paying full whack for this game. Um, the pixel art is fucking fantastic. Like The game looks and sounds, to be fair, incredible. Um, in motion, it feels really good, really authentic to the memory that you would have of playing those kinds of games. Um, and the difficulty probably matches up to that sort of thing as well. It's very punishing, albeit with more generous checkpoints than any games of the time would have had. Um, despite being short, it does at certain points feel a little bit of a slog. Um, it also does quite an interesting thing where, um, as well as your attack and your jump, your third button's this like um, bi-directional grapple hook thing, um, somewhere between a zip line and a bionic commando-esque grapple hook. Um, and it, it's blended really well into the gameplay. So you can shoot it in eight directions. Um, you get to aim it at anything. If it's like a physical object, it will grab to it. Um, in the scene, you're obviously not enemies. Um, and there's various um, areas and boss patterns and enemy patterns generally where you are encouraged and in some cases required to take advantage of it. And it gives a, a real interesting spin on what is otherwise um, quite a straightforward setup. This is definitely a sale pickup. I really, really enjoyed it. But I think for, for a game of that kind of length, Mm. it's hard to say just go out and buy this game and experience it unless you absolutely need that kind of experience right now sort of thing um but it was good and i did overall enjoy it in spite of its limitations um the last one have you played haven park yet pal i know you have alex i haven't but i am looking at it and it looks a little bit like at your kite in mm -hmm. the sense of like the perspective and the graphics. Oh, it's heavily inspired. Uh, yeah, I was by reading that. the. Yeah, I, I was reading the reviews right now, and everyone says if you like at your kite, uh, you will like this one. I, I, for the most part, I would agree with that. It, it's what in the UK we would call maybe a B tech short hike. 
um, BTECs are like the lesser equivalent of our 16 to 18 A levels. So it's like, it it's a lesser short hike. Yeah. Not massively lesser, and it does some things different. So where short hike is focused singularly on reaching the top of the mountain, while you do have that same objective in Haven Park, you are also encouraged to maintain and find um, all of the park, all of the camps on the park and rebuild them. There's a degree of city building to it, um, resource gathering in a way that a short hike never expected of you. I actually found the the focus of a short hike much more appealing, much more enjoyable. Um, some of this speaks to my own sensibilities. I find um, like rebuilding and designing your environment in the way that Haven Park asks you to quite tedious and I don't really get a lot from it. And so that aspect really didn't speak to me. Uh, I very much min-maxed. I was building um, like barbecues on every camp because it literally required one wood and one metal. And <laughs> you could maximize what you needed for those parks with a minimal amount of resources. And I didn't really fucking care because I wasn't going to go back to them. But if you're the kind of person who wants to tick off all the items in the notebook, it gives you a lot more than a short hike gives you. Um, also, story... if you're an Animal Crossing fan, I think. <laughs> Yes, yeah, and, and some of that speaks to your sensibility. <laughs> short hike is undoubtedly the better game. There's no question. Yeah. But if you play short hike and you want a similar fix, you can't really go far wrong with Haven Park. Um, I did find the story tried a little bit too hard for me. It was very obvious from the word go where they were going um, without spoiling anything. Whereas with a short hike, that the story of that had a lot more of a punch because yeah. it caught you by surprise. Um, and it was just better told. There was a bit more to it. Um, everything was a bit more built around it. With Haven Park, there's like three cutscenes, and the story's told basically entirely through those. Um, the flavor text that you get from camp goers is all just about various things you can find in the environment and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, Haven Park, good, but not great very much in the vein of a short hike um yeah and you can it's quite cheap even before discount so i think i paid half price for it on the eShop. um i know you played it on pc alex but i was like i want to get this on switch i will wait until it's on sale on switch and then i will get it and then i will play it <laughs> um you know i'm happy with it it was a good good couple of hours of um of entertainment but i it just made me want to play a short hike again <laughs> which is the frustrating part because it, it just doesn't live up to it as similar as it is in some ways to it uh right i'm going to shut up now that's all of my um completions and, and by extension that's all of our completions because although you haven't completed anything paula you have got a retirement do you want to tell us about that yeah it's just a little little tiny little retirement that I have over here and that is Pokewelds. As I previously as I previously said, um it doesn't really have a story like um or if it does have an overarching story, I didn't find it. So <laughs> since I, you have since it doesn't really guide you to anything, I just got bored after a while, even though it was fun to like explore around and catch more Pokemon and stuff like that. Didn't really vibe with me in a way, so that's why I retired. I do recommend it to people who are more into that open world aspect of just exploring and try to do your own thing and telling your own story. But it isn't for me, like at all. 
Fair enough. I guess. Uh, right, I can do you, do you yeah, I was yeah. going to say, do you want to do you want to go through for yours? <laughs> yeah, I uh, retired frog detective the entire mystery because I just don't like it at all. It's there's not it's not a game. It's a curiosity. Um, it's cute. I just don't care. <laughs> I was like, so you, know, you, you might yeah. say it was a tadpole underwhelming. Oh God, yes, oh, yes, it no. was. Um, but it's just like it's not a game, right? Like, and I get that. Like, I'm down for this sort of, you know, jokey mystery. Like, he's not actually solving mysteries thing. But like, when it's so transparently, go walk there, talk to that person, get that thing, bring that thing to that person, do this thing. Da, 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 you know what I mean? Like, it's just that. Like, it's like you know, in uh, in Link's Awakening, you've got the big trade quest, right? But the big trade quest is a part of this larger game where you go through dungeons and you do your fights and you do your puzzles and you do all this other stuff. And then you have this fun trade quest. But when all your game is, is the trade quest, it's really fucking boring. <laughs> it's just not a fan. And like the writing wasn't doing enough for me. It's, it's cute and everything. But like at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, okay. So you made this cute little thing. Cool, I guess. I just... I don't know. I feel cynical about it, but I just don't give a fuck. Like, as I was playing it, I was just like, I just don't give a fuck about this. And that's fine. Some people, I think, will play this and will fucking love it. Like, I think for there are some where this game is going to just, like, hit everything that you want. It's going to be quirky, and it's just all the quirk that you need, and you're going to be like, yeehaw. But what it feels like to me is that maybe I'm just getting old and jaded now, but it felt very, like, my age millennial kind of, like, humor which i'm just fucking over at this point like the overly meta humor i'm just fucking over it i'm like can you just be like can you just make compelling worlds and be funny in that sense <laughs> it's like nah we're just gonna make something that's nonsensical entirely and ooh, we all like dancing okay whatever um so that's that's how i felt a little bit it's it's like yeah Ugh. which is a shame because it's one i was quite looking forward to playing it looks like a vibe you might like it. Like I said, you might vibe. You know what? Okay, here, here's how to play this game. Get high and then put it on because then it's perfect, all right? Be high as fuck. I don't know. Do some shrooms or something and you'll have a great time with this. But weed will be enough and just you'll have a fun time. But if you're not inebriated while playing this game, you're probably just going to be like, okay, sure. <laughs> you know, that's, that, that's how I feel um i don't know god damn it i don't want to dig into much of this but it's like chicory right like i love chicory and chicory is cute right but chicory creates this world that is like lived in with these people and like i know what yeah you blasted through that game you hardly spoke to anyone (laughs) (laughs) this is the interesting Uh, thing right because chicory really spoke to you i thought chicory was pretty pretty mid which is why i feel like if you don't like chicory i don't know what the fuck you're gonna think of this game because (laughs) chicory is an actual (laughs) game this is just a walking sim (laughs) oh yeah 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 because like chicory is like this game but with gameplay and like realized characters so i don't know what the fuck you're gonna think of this one (laughs) it might hit you right i don't know it might hit you just on the perfect day and with the right with the right the right vibes um but anyway, it, it, maybe we'll find out soon. Stay tuned. Yeah, it's on Game Pass, so you might as well check it out. It's only like an hour or so. I've already got it downloaded. <laughs> yeah, there you go. 
Um, I also retired Lord of the Rings Tactics because I, I, I got what I needed from it. I just wanted to try it out and it's just, it was just a little too slow for me. And, um, it's actually quite challenging. And I was like, no, I'm not ready to be challenged by this game. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like there are some games you play where you're like, yeah, I'm in this for the challenge, man. You know, you boot up your Elden Ring and you're like, let's go. But when you pull out your Lord of the Rings Tactics game, you're not like, yeah, let's get ready for some intense combat. No, you're like, I want to just play some fucking tactical gameplay as Gandalf. Like, you know, that's, that's all I'm looking for. I'm not looking for brain-breaking intensity. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, those are the two that I retired. Um, I'm certain for some, they have their core audiences. Fraud Detective probably more than Tactics, but I'm good. <laughs> what about you, Rick? You retired Mind Scanners. I feel like I've heard of this one. You probably have. It's been on Game Pass, and at the time of uh, this episode going live, it will have gone, okay. but it was leaving a few days ago, and it's one that I'd wanted to play since I started the trial, I went through a list of what oh, was on yeah, Game Pass at that time and made a list of games. I described Haven Park as a B-Tech, a short hike. This is a B-Tech papers, please, but yeah. in a much more negative way. And the, the comparison's inescapable. This is a game where you work a monotonous administrative job, um, in this instance, um, administering... Um, this game's equivalent of, like... Um, is it Dunning-Kruger tests, they call them in Blade Runner? Um, yes. That like to find out if people are sane or insane. And then you, you have these various vapid minigames to treat said insanity if you find it. Um, it doesn't strike the same successful sort of pitch in terms of writing that Papers, Please did. Um, it's much less engaging than Papers, Please was. Um, it's also much more padded and bloated and longer than Papers, Please was. Papers, Please was like a, a five, six hour playthrough that I blasted through. Uh, I could not put that game down. By contrast, um, I got to day 12 of Mind Scanners after about an hour um, and Googled to find out how many more days I'd have to get through. I found out it was 42 and I decided that I wasn't in for that. So it, once you've hit like day four or five, every day's the fucking same. You have this really annoying, arbitrary timer thing which i kind of get the design rationale they want you to feel a little bit under pressure when you're doing their shitty mini games but it doesn't really elevate a sense of tension it's just an annoyance um doubly so when as much as 40 percent of your time counter is taken up just by traveling to whoever it is you're dealing with um and then before you can actually do your mind scanny like treaty thingy you have to read these little bits of flavor text and have like a, a best guess at which multiple choice answer it wants you to glean from it. And if you get any of those wrong, you lose another 5% of your time. It just gets an absolute mess. It's really, really not good gameplay. Um, yeah, I, again, to repeat myself, which is becoming a theme this week, <laughs> gameplay and writing, just not good enough to sustain what they're trying to do. I quite liked the setting. Um, I did read some reviews afterwards and the setting was something that was quite heavily criticized. I thought the setting was the only interesting aspect of this game. Um, the art was okay. Um, the music was okay. Yeah, and, and the things that matter the most really, really let it down. Um, so I suppose my my wait for uh, a good cyberpunk 
sort of first person narrative static adventure continues because divination wasn't much good either and that was a similar kind of idea but yes do not recommend this just go and play papers please again <laughs> yeah um it which is a takes very us good neatly <laughs> it, it's a great game uh and that takes us neatly um onto our playing um Paolo, why or in fact actually alex i want to know a little bit about return to monkey island in fact i want to know about all your games you've got like a complete new slate this week i do um, yeah. yeah yeah return to monkey island is uh is is excellent so far um they do this really lovely little scrapbook thing that lets you like click through and like basically uh guybrush has like made a scrapbook about his old adventures and <laughs> it's like really cute and also the art style i think um was horribly represented in the like like the marketing coming up to it because once you actually sit down with it it's gorgeous and it it looks really beautiful in movement um and it's it's quite wonderful um i think it's just like cuz even when i was watching it in trailers it just looked off and i think it really requires that higher fidelity of like your own kind of computer and then like seeing it as it's intended in terms of like because like it'll do these wonderful things where like it'll zoom in on their like faces for moments and like it cuts through it's very cartoony and it 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 also somehow like it's weird because it somehow feels just like correct for this world um a little bit like it like it feels to me like the secret of monkey island and like to be um to be clear like i've beaten the secret of monkey island like i've beaten that one I think I beat the Secret of Monkey Island. I think I beat the second one as well. And I I never really played though the like the, I think it was like the Tales of Monkey Island or something like the the 3D ones that came the Telltale later. ones. Yeah, yeah, Telltale was it Telltale or just like that style at least? Um, no, 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 it was Telltale. It was so Telltale? There was, there was oh, okay. two Monkey Islands that were made by the original team. Then there were either five two episodes. or three further sequels, and then there was a five episode Telltale episodic series. Right. Yeah. So I played the first. And as I two. understand it, this this finishes this starts where the first two left off. It, I think it actually kind of goes with all of them. Um, it's basically oh, okay. he's older now and he's got a kid and uh, mm-hmm. or kids, uh, <laughs> um, maybe just one. I don't know. Yeah, he's got one kid. So anyway, regardless, it's like it's much further into the future. Like it kind of it's it's finishing the entirety of it. Um, and to be honest, like. The, the monkey alligator i don't know like you're there for the individual stories you're not there for the interconnecting stories do you know what i mean like it's like each story is just really fun on its own um and again the writing in this is, is wonderful fully voice acted um and so there's actually not really any like like i haven't really seen it there's no dialogue boxes or anything it's just them talking and it's quite impressive i think there's ways to turn on subtitles and stuff but i've just left it off because the voice acting is so well done that you're like "Mm, no i think i'm just gonna leave it like this um there's two modes that you could do there's a casual mode and a hard mode um i think this is a great idea because basically the way it works i've picked the hard mode because the hard mode is all, all it means is that like in casual mode there are less steps to solve for the puzzles um if you've played any of these games you know what it's like some of the puzzles are a fucking nightmare <laughs> um obviously i think they've they've 
probably even simplify things more throughout this, but in hard mode, it just means more like you're playing it kind of as it's intended. Um, and I think in general, I would recommend the hard mode to most people, especially anyone who's played an adventure game, just because I think if you were to play the casual mode, you're going to find the pacing to be a bit off because I think you're going to essentially, when you hit a puzzle, you're going to solve it really fast. And so you're going to feel like I think you're getting to like just chunks of dialogue constantly, right? Whereas in the hard mm -hmm. mode, you're going to have more of that time of like trying to figure out what things are, kind of exploring a little more. And like, you're going to have a, a greater um, variety of gameplay than if you were to just kind of go through with that casual mode. Um, so anyway, uh, it's fantastic. It's just fantastic. And I, I can't recommend it enough. I'm really excited to play through it uh, and, and finish it. And I've been playing it on PC because you can play it on Xbox as well. But I was like, no way. I have to play Monkey Island on PC. That's just like, that's where it belongs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> We're on uh, Switch where it launched. Well, it launched on everything. I It was exclusive to Switch at first. Return to Monkey Island is not exclusive to Switch. It's on Game Pass. It was. It came out originally. They all came on out Switch at the same only. time. It, it was exclusive for like a couple of weeks, honestly. Okay, a couple of weeks, maybe. <laughs> I, this throwaway joke has become more involved than it was supposed to, but it's um, true. Time Nintendo. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay, it was on Switch for a few weeks, was it? That's so Yeah, I mean, the exclusivity weird. window was tiny, yeah. Yeah, that's super weird. I guess it came out, like, that's so funny. A couple days. Nintendo's what Microsoft don't. That's weird, man. For a long you month. just play it on, on, yeah, that's so weird, dude. I can't imagine, like, hardly anyone would have done that. Goddamn. I don't know. That's, that's so weird. All right, sorry. Anyway, I can't get over that. That's the stupidest timed exclusive I've ever heard of. That's so fucking dumb. Like, if Nintendo paid money for that, they're fucking stupid. Like, I'm just so, so sorry. That's so fucking stupid, man. Who pays for a month of timed exclusivity? Like, that even matters. I, I mean, whether it's a marketing thing, because they did get featured quite heavily in the direct, if I remember rightly. Yeah, well, I mean, that's great for the Return to Monkey Island crew. Like, listen, I, no shade on them. Like, for those people, I'm like, yeah, fucking do your thing. Get your money, folks. Making games is hard. I'm just like, Nintendo is that's so fucking stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. I like to think that they paid silly <laughs> money because it was like a big franchise and it was going to be a big win for them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is a great game, so, like, it's good for them to have, but, like, that's so fucking funny, especially where it's on Game Pass, where it's, like, anyone who's got a PC or an Xbox is like, <laughs> imagine buying it and then finding out a day later you could have played it for free on game pass i know that'd be shit. brutal i'm sorry yeah i just i find this <laughs> genuinely hilarious <laughs> sorry all right we've totally got off the rails here but anyway return to my god great i'll be talking about it a lot throughout the next little bit because i'm i'm planning on finishing it up uh um i'm playing tiny tina's wonderlands um I'm probably going to retire like I retired Borderlands 3, but that's not because it's like a bad game. It's just like I know what I want from these games. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. it's like I want a little bit of that looter shootery goodness and then I want to just fuck off. And so I'll probably do that. And again, the game is really fun. I'm sure it'd be way more fun playing it co-op with folks. I don't know if anyone on Xbox wants to play co-op. Sure but I probably can't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I just probably can't be bothered. I'm like, I don't think I actually care enough. Um, it's very That's the least enthusiastic 
co-op offer I think I've ever heard. <laughs> My God. But, I mean, honestly, though, I just don't know if I could care enough. Um, although I think it has crossplay, maybe. So that actually is kind of cool. Um, so actually, if you do want to play, no, I'm still not fucked. Yeah, I'm still not really sure I want to. But um, it's it's very <laughs> funny. I like the setup. I think it's really it's really adorable because like you're playing a D and D campaign basically, right? And I think it is it is quite funny because like in the opening segment you're like the new player and so when you show up in the game you're all gray which is great because guys like what the, like the main villain's like he's not even painted yet and you're like yeah it's the sort of fun of commenting on this i know i love it man it's great um they really like hone in and you can tell it's just made by a bunch of nerds which you're like fuck yeah um in the best way possible and i'm like i love it so um it's very humorous very fun it's kind of stupid that there's guns in this like i get it it's Borderlands, but like you're putting it in this fantasy world, and I was like, you couldn't have made it like cr- like more. Like there are some crossbows and stuff, which are really fun. Um, but you d- part of you, d- part of me does go kind of like, I feel like you cheaped out a little bit here, you know? Like I know your thing's guns, but you couldn't have bent it a little more to this. Now it's to be fair, it's Tiny Tina, so it's like whatever. Katina t- talks about it sometimes, but you can't help but feel a little bit like the creativity was like not at the full height right now you do have spells and stuff which are really fun but anyway it's borderlands man it's nothing different from the other borderlands it's fucking borderlands which is for which is great because borderlands is good um but it's also bad because it's borderlands and just more of it right so take that Mortalands, yeah, exactly. I got it on like a steep discount, and so I feel quite satisfied with what I've uh, with what I've got from it so far. Um, but don't expect this to be beaten. <laughs> um, the other one that I'm playing is Persona Five Strikers because uh, I'm back on my um, uh, back on my commute again. So I've been playing some Switch on the bus. Uh, Jesus Christ, they talk a lot <laughs> and like. <laughs> the dialogue's wonderful and so is the voice acting so like i can't complain that much but like i've played a couple hours of this so far and like i think i've fought for like 20 minutes of those few hours you know and you're just like also can i okay it's not investigating when you make me walk around and press a to listen to conversations that is not an investigation god damn it that is moving <laughs> from place to place pressing a I fucking hate when games pretend that that's investigating something. I'm like, no, it's not. You're just making me walk around and press a button. Stop it. <laughs> Make me actually do something. So anyway, that, and then like also, they're like the moment where it's like, go investigate to learn more. And then you do that. So you think like, oh, I'm going to go look around these cool environments. But then you get like a text from your bud being like, wait, I think I found something. Come to the alley. And you go to the alley and it like fills up more than half of your investigation. And you're like, so really, I just had to go to your checkpoint. Fuck off. <laughs> anyway, um, it's the fighting. You're right, though. you are becoming jaded and cynical. I'm very jaded and cynical about some of these things. I just, I'm like, don't waste my time. Um, but, but what I will say, and the reason I'm still playing it and will probably beat the game, is that one, again, the writing is very good. It is just more Persona 5, like in the best way possible. Secondly, the actual combat is very fun. So once you get into the combat, it's great. I just wish I could get into that a little more often. It's kind of Muso style, but like way more stylish. And um, mm. it it combines your like spell abilities and your personas very well. Um, so, and like the boss fights are actually quite fun because of these big friggin' fights and you still have your all out attacks. So like they've managed to take everything from Persona 5, but turn it into an action game, um, which is quite impressive. So 
overall, I do highly, like, I recommend trying it out. It has Haru in it, which I think is the character added to Persona 5 Royal. And so I'm just kind of like, I don't know who the fuck you are. Um, isn't she the Persona 5 Royal one? No, you're thinking of no. Kasumi, I think. Yeah, Kasumi. Oh. Was Haru in Persona 5? Yep. She wow. Good I don't remember that girl. Like, at 3 a.m. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I haven't yeah, played like Persona 5 yet, and I know because she's the one with the less screen time, and they tried to mm. fix it in Royal from what I uh, from what I hear. Because I I didn't remember her in the slightest. So actually, okay, that's maybe something important. Then, if you play Royal, this is not a sequel to Royal. This is a sequel to Persona Five. Because Kasumi's not in it at yeah. all, is she? It's a bit of a weird one in terms of the chronology, if I remember rightly. Well, yeah, because it's the sequel to the the game, and not Royal. So it's like, yeah. Which is another reason why I'm like, I'm never playing Royal. <laughs> if, of course, if you've never played Persona 5, then yeah, play Royal, duh. But, um, <laughs> you know. Uh, anyway, it's good. You know, that's all. Uh, Paula, <laughs> tell me more about your gacha obsession. <laughs> I am not even playing the gacha part anymore. Like, oh. Uh, like I already got the characters that I want, um, but I am. Um, so they already got you. Hey, they already got. They already got you. I already got them. But the thing is, is that right now I haven't progressed stream much. I am just like farming stuff to build up uh, my second team. I did um advance a lot in the tower section of the game where and i'm currently on the 47 48th floor the 48th floor is so fucking obtuse that i probably have to go to find a guide or something like that because i cannot find my way out of it so that's gonna be interesting are they like Other... proper dungeons or is it procedurally generated there are proper dungeons. Uh, okay. Some of the floors have puzzles, like block puzzles or like switch puzzles or like try to find your way puzzles mm -hmm. out of here. Mm -hmm. And the, they also have the kind of puzzle where you have to uh, run to the end of the door before the, um, I guess the doors in the dungeon close because you press uh, a switch and then all the these blocks lower so you can pass, but you have to pass through all of the blocks before they rise again. So it's more of an obstacle curse rather than a puzzle. And mm. then you have the just battle the enemies kind of thing, which is like the easiest because my team is broken right now. For the point of the story, where am I? I am, sorry. And... Then you have the story, which I haven't made any progress on yet, but I think the next section is a snowfield or a snow mountain or something with snow. <laughs> and because my, my boyfriend was playing and I was like, hey, so the next section is uh, a snowy place. Well, this is our next section. And it's like, oh, you already play, played another one. So I have no idea what where, what that middle ground is. So that middle or whatever you want to call it is. I've also made some progress on the Waterside Tower. Um, why did I get stuck on this one? Because I haven't made progress on it in a couple of days. 
something happened. I got stuck and it was like, okay, I'm going to come back later. I never came back, not yet. And yeah, I'm slowly tipping at it. Um, university has been held in the, in the last couple of weeks, so I haven't been playing much. But I did make some progress on some of these other games, like less than an hour of progress on each. So let's go with Pokemon MMO, which is a multiplayer, a multi, sorry, a massively online multiplayer experience where you have to load your ROMs, your quote-unquote legally obtained ROMs, and then you can play Pokemon with other people. <laughs> and we chose to, you can, right now you can play the on Kanto, which is the first gen, you can play on Hoenn, which is the third gen. You can play on, I think, Black and White, which is the fifth gen. And I think you can play also on Platinum, which is the fourth gen. Yeah, I think that's it. And um, they're right now they're trying to implement the second gen, which is uh but the remake uh, of the of the second gen, which is Hardcore and Soul Silver. So far we're having fun with my boyfriend because we're playing together. Uh we're um our way to Brooks Gym, which is the first one. So we're out of here in the forest, we're on Peter City, and we stop playing because, well, university is a bitch. Hey, <laughs> that's true. This is, this is a, running, uh, a running thing over here because it has me hell, I'm not gonna lie. The other uh, Pokemon game that I'm playing is Pokemon White. Elisa just kicked my ass, so I have to go to the mountains and train my Pokemon because they're like, I have two Pokemon that are like the right level for the gym, but both of them are weak to Herimolga, which is a flying squirrel, which is flying and electric. One of my Pokemon is firefighting and the other Pokemon is water. Emolga is faster, so you can, you can do the math over there. And the other Pokemon that I have that persists, oh, the other Pokemon that is high level enough is a uh, Grass Fighting. So Emolga makes, I don't know, Sashimi, no, not Sashimi. Emolga just eats it up because Aerial Ace just makes quadruple damage to it. So not good time. Uh, my plan right now is try to pick one of my other Pokemon and level it up a little bit. So I'll, I'll probably have to um, like take out the randomizer uh, code just so I can battle this um, Odino on, on the wild. Like, because Odino gives you like a lot a lot of experience and I don't want to be grinding here forever. So I'm just gonna take out the randomizer code, um, battle some Odinos and then put the code back in and nothing happened over here. And 
that's it for Pokemon White. I'm stuck in third gym, fourth gym. I don't even know which gym this is anymore. The other, not Pokemon game, but a monster collecting game that I'm playing is Digimon Story Cybersleep. I got to pick my starter Digimon, which is Terrymon, which is an adorable little flashy thing, which I love. Um, I actually only know Digimon from the anime up until like third season of the anime, which is Digimon Tamers. And Terrymon was there. And I love him ever since, and I was so happy that he was able to be one of the starters because, let's be honest, the other two options were um, this mechanic gear thing, and I don't remember the name, I think it was Palmon, which is like this plant slash cacti thing uh, from the first Digimon anime. So there wasn't really a choice to be made. Teremon is the overall better starter, not gonna lie. At least look-wise. Let's see how he's on battle, but I'm not too worried right now. And the and that's it for my previous on Digimon Story Savers. I got my starter, I got my first battle, I wrecked that first battle, and and I'm pretty much over with the prologue. So let's see what story is all about on this game. Um, I've been told that this game has um, translation issues that may or may not, uh, may or may not affect your enjoyment of the story. And some people said it is the best story ever. And some people said it is a mess story. So let's see what this is all about in probably the next few episodes of the podcast. Mm -hmm. And finally, um, I picked up once again Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link on the Nintendo Switch Online service. And I've been trying to make some progress. I actually made some progress and got some spells. And I'm on my way to the second palace still. Is it the second palace or the third palace? Let me check real quick because I got a walkthrough because I am not gonna get all the little hidden secrets without a walkthrough on this game at least. So yeah, um, for people who don't remember me ever talking about this game because it was so fucking long ago, this is the second game on the Legend of Zelda series, and it is not a top-down adventure like the first one. It is a Side-scroller side adventure action game. And it is a big departure from the, from the first one because it also has um, RPG mechanics where you level up your HP, you level up your attack, and you level up your magic. And this is the first game where uh, Link has any kind of magical skills. And I have to say, that magic the bar gets drained faster than I can say anything, to be honest. Like, I can... Before, and it drains faster than they can say Haya or something like that. <laughs> uh, because the spells are very expensive, not gonna lie, especially in, in the beginning of the game. Like, the heal spell um, drains, like, half 
more than half of your of your uh, magic bar so you can you have to use it wisely because it is harder to recover your magic than to recover your hp i um, this game is also hard as well i also got the um i guess it's the down slash or down trust or, or however you want to call it um i can now attack enemies from above which it makes the game so much more manageable because you can't really jump over the enemies uh, over the tall and over the taller enemies that are like two blocks high which is about links high in this game but you can just slash him slash them from above and just go past them without any issues and that just made the game a lot more easier not gonna lie it was it was a godsend over here and i want to finish this game will i ever finish this game i don't know um stay tuned in, in the next episode and rick take it away please <laughs> we'll see um so mostly new slate of games for me so i've played a little bit more of valkyrie profile lenneth um this is a game that you can feel it kind of creaking under you as you're playing like the the age is there more in the ui and the menu systems than anything else um the the art of the game is actually quite good and for the most part the levels feel okay but there's a lot of archaic elements to like the game and the setup and the way things work I'm not sure how much longer I'm going to stick with it, but I'm inclined to keep pushing through because I find the story and the setting interesting, and I do really like the battle system. Um, I started called Severed Steel. Friend of the podcast, Uwe, actually recommended it to me today, not knowing I was already playing it. Um, this <laughs> is a first-person shooter, but with kind of Twitch gameplay and slow motion and a lot of acrobatic um movement and traversal opportunities and it's got that sort of die instantly try again kind of feeling to it i suppose i would it kind of defies description it takes elements from a lot of little things i suppose in the moment to moment gameplay it most feels like a mashup between like a super hot and a mirror's edge mm. but with much beefier combat um when you are in motion um, doing sort of tricks, whether that's wall runs, dives, slides, uh, wall kicks, various things like that, you are invincible. When you're not doing those things, you are very much a sponge. Um, you have a very generous and very generously refilling slow motion. Um, you, partway through the story, get a cannon that allows you to blow holes in walls, um, which allows for a lot of really cool sort of emergent... Um, gameplay options in terms of traversal and getting from a to b in ways that aren't necessarily prescribed um it's just a really wonderful setup and, and the actual playing of it feels superb uh this is another one that i played a demo of in one of the next fests and then ended up picking up off the strength of that demo um it's actually improved a lot since the demo um in the demo it felt very finicky um the the way things were set up wasn't entirely clear and it didn't quite feel like it had the level of polish that it does 
now in its fully released state. Um, movement still can have its moments of, of trickiness. A lot of that is because, as with any first-person sort of parkoury game, um, where your character is in relation to where you're facing, in relation to what direction you're moving, can have a, a number of different options in terms of what you're actually asking the game to do. And although it does a very good job, it doesn't always map exactly to what you're trying to make the system do for you. Um, but on the whole, this is a really, really, really enjoyable game um, with more of a story than these games necessarily have, um, generally speaking, and with quite a unique style. It's like, um, it feels like a halfway house visually between Mirror's Edge with the clean lines and and bright sort of oversaturated tone and Ghost Runner with the, the sort of cyberpunky gritty sensibilities. Um, and it strikes a really nice um, path all of its own, taking those elements. Uh, I really like this. I'm probably going to gush about it more next week when I probably will have beaten it. Um, I started FF7 Remake. I feel very ill-equipped to talk about it because I'm not even <laughs> past the point of the demo, which I had completed. So I'm, I'm literally like 10 minutes in. But I loved the demo, and the game plays exactly like the demo did so far. So. I expect I'm going to love this one. Um, have either of you two played FF7 Remake? I feel like yes. you have, Alex. I feel like you haven't, Paula. I haven't even played the first, the 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 original. Oh, I hated the original. I uh, I gave up on the original very early because it's way too Whoa. slow. Yeah, it's it's not that the original's bad necessarily, but with the pixel art Final Fantasies, they're quite. Um, nippy they, they don't really hang about too much um with final fantasy 10 and onwards they're 3d but they're not encumbered by the move to 3d i haven't tried eight or nine yet but my feeling with seven was that um it was form over function um the 3d and all the things it did around that slowed the game down and there wasn't really proper regard given to how much that would slow the game down it was just like how amazing can we make this game look within the constraints of what we can do? And, you know, clearly they were in the right and I'm in the wrong because they sold fucking gangbusters. Um, <laughs> but as a player coming to it, as I did in maybe 2014, it was really rough. Um, but the remake's very, very fluid. It's um, like a, a hybrid ARPG active time battle system. Um, the arts and the visuals are stunning. Um, even on PS4, where it, it really does gun beyond what you might expect that platform to be able to handle. Um, the music's excellently reworked, or at least what I've heard of it so far is. Um, I'm really enthusiastic about playing more of this. It's just one that I started and then had a few other things pop up and then didn't carry on with, but I certainly will be. Um, and another one that I'm really massively enthusiastic about um, is Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle, which... I've owned for a little while, um, but all the coverage around the sequel Sparks of Hope prompted me to finally sort of nudge up the list and start playing it. I expected an XCOM reskin. What I got is actually a very tastefully done interpretation of what Firaxis's XCOM reboot brought to the table for strategy mm -hmm. RPGs. So it's the same half full cover system. Um, it's the same your turn, their turn. Overwatch is severely limited, so it's a specific skill that 
so far only two of the characters have and it's on a cooldown so you have to be a lot smarter about when you use it um there are three characters instead of i think it was up to was it up to four or up to six in the original anyway it's three characters on a map at any one time um it also adds some interesting twists of its own so um there's a mechanic whereby you can move a character onto another character they will then get sort of a, a, a boost and they'll be able to jump into a further position. Um, Luigi can do that twice off of two characters. Mario can land on an enemy and do extra damage. Um, there's there's a lot of whimsy and, and flexibility about the setup of this game. Um, probably skews a little bit easy for the most part, although there are some enemies that can be quite troublesome. Um, but there's a real charm to it all. Um, it's a joy to play. There's lots of fun. There's lots of little collectibles thing. I think the thing that surprised me the most about it was that rather than have like a central hub that you go to after every single combat mission, this plays like a, a Mario overworld and the combat encounters are woven seamlessly into the 3D um, level, I will call it. It's not really an open world per se. Um, there is like a, a, a base and you do go back and forth between it, but not very often. Um, the other thing is there's oodles of content to this. So um, the original started going very, very cheap with all the bonus stuff thrown in. So um, there are super challenge combat encounters. There's a whole separate sort of guide and Donkey Kong campaign um, with Donkey Kong, Cranky it's Kong. It's very good, too. Oh, is it? Okay. Oh, it's, so worth, it's just as good as the main game. Um, if not a little bit better because they've refined some stuff within it. So highly okay. recommend. I did think you might have played it because you were nodding along as I was saying. So oh, I love this it. game. It's a fantastic game. I, the yeah. sequel apparently is even yeah. better. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a surprise. It was, a, it was a surprise when it came out. It remains a surprise to me, but it is a very happy surprise <laughs> because it is just so wonderful. You're like, I, I don't know. I remember like everything you're saying is why I was not along because it was like everything I felt when I played it the first time. I was like, what the fuck is this game? It's great. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I kind of heard that like, oh shit, this is actually quite good. And then it went on a really silly sale when I first got the Switch. And I was like, yeah, yeah I'll get this. I'll get around to it eventually. Um, yeah. And I imagine that the sequel will eventually become equally cheap and I will pick that up and play that as well. Um, it's really, really good. The Rabbids are actually quite likable in this Yeah. Part. So <laughs> they're, it's they're, their the perfect cons- location for them. For sure. Like they, they work within the con- confines of this game because mm-hmm. all of the other characters play it very straight. So they have the foil they need. Um, the, the fun thing with the story to the extent that the story matters is that um, the not bad guy, but like the, the MacGuffin of this game, let's call it um, can, combine two items to create a unified item um, and when that is inflicted upon the mushroom kingdom um, various rabbits are, are merged with various other aspects of the world so the first sort of end of world boss is um, uh, a, a big sort of beefed up rabbit with a donkey kong tie on it and it's like rabbit kong <laughs> um, and a couple of your party characters are like rabbits cosplaying in essence as um as mushroom kingdom characters so i think my favorite so far is rabid peach because she's like vapid and <laughs> so self-absorbed just taking Love selfies it, yeah. of everything and it, it just works it just really works 
everything about this game works for me and I'm having a blast and I'm so glad that this stupid crazy thing happened and then it got a sequel how did this how did this get a sequel <laughs> mental I, I think anyway. it sold really well like I think it was one of those games that like did a really good like once it came out I think people realized like this is good and I think it's done quite well for them at least I hope so because it's very fun <laughs> I suppose you think about it, it's got good coverage because if you're someone that wants an XCOM game on the go, I think when this first came out, the XCOM 2 port wasn't a thing. Although, as I understand it, the XCOM 2 port on Switch is excellent, which doesn't surprise me because the XCOM 1 port on Vita was equally excellent. Um, You're hitting that child demographic. You're hitting the dozens of Rabbids fans that exist. So, you know, all of your bases. Honestly, yeah. Um, And even when XCOM being great, it's like, you know, getting into XCOM is not the easiest thing, right? Like, XCOM is punishing in the best ways. Like, it's it's excellent, sure. but it is a tough game, right? And so, like, I think this game in particular is, like, it, it fits such an excellent niche because, like, I think it's, like, a fantastic game to get into first um, before sure, sure, you sure. try playing the far more challenging um, uh XCOM. Anyway, it's it's fantastic. <laughs> yes, it's an excellent gateway to that genre. I couldn't agree more. And, and obviously, the Mario aspect of that only aids that further. Yeah, um, yeah I, I look forward to talking about this one more as we go through as well. Um, which takes us onto this week's topic, which is for once topical. So we were talking amongst ourselves about the Pokemon debacle. So for anyone who has somehow missed this. Uh, Game Freak just released at the time of recording Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, the latest main entry Pokemon titles. Oh boy, are they buggy. Um, The interesting thing is, like, from a a, a purely gameplay standpoint, supposedly they've taken some big steps and putting performance to one side, these are actually really, really good entries in the franchise. Um, But you can't get around how horrifically bad these perform. Worse even than Arceus. And I think that was the most baffling well, thing to me. It's just, gone. Yeah, because I was going to say, Arceus' issues were like more like, um, like they, they, they're things that you can kind of understand. You know what I mean? Like it's stuff where it's like, oh, the draw distances aren't great. Like there, there weren't necessarily like huge, crazy bugs per se. Like there are some, sure. But it was more just that you're like, it doesn't look awesome at times. It like, you know, things like this where you're like, there, you know, it sucks that it's happening, but like it was almost a little more forgivable, right? Like you, you could kind of ignore them. Like you could play the game and be like, oh, whatever, right? You can just totally ignore it. I think with this one, it's like there are memory leak issues, right? Where like some players have to restart their game every few hours. Like there are critical system failures within this game that are like literally inexcusable for and let's remember the single most profitable franchise on the planet like it is Mm. pokemon makes the most money in the fucking world so like when people try to say stuff like oh i'm like fuck you they have the money to make this game incredible but they don't right they like don't clearly funnel enough money or time into it because they're in this fucking pipeline of like having to churn it out every year because they have all these other products that rely on the new Pokemon that come out. And it's like, it 
Pokemon is the most disgustingly capitalistic thing I think I've seen in video games in so long. And yet I still love it so much because that's how good they are with this shit. <laughs> I, but it, and this is the interesting one because it's clearly like bad coding in a big sense. And that's definitely how I felt. But then you see people running it on emulators on pretty low powered PC specs and it runs fine mm -hmm. and it works fine. And for the most part, it is fine. And then you think, well, to what extent is it bad coding? And to what extent is it that the Switch was an underpowered Android tablet with detachable controllers at launch? <laughs> and now five or six years have gone past and it's still an underpowered lap tablet from six years ago. I know. And you know what makes me kind of terrified with this is that Pokemon Scarlet and Violet broke sales records for yes, they did. Yeah. in three days it's they it has sold an absurd and like i haven't bought it and this is actually maybe the first pokemon game in a while where i'm not gonna get it like i actually you know i got arceus and i enjoyed it i never beat it but this game sold 10 million copies in three days now the other thing though is that nintendo opened up refunds for this game which is oh damn i missed that yes which is very rare. I mean, this is one of like the first times since like basically cyberpunk that we've had like news of like opening up um, specific returns for the game um, because they had to just admit that <laughs> it's not it's properly broken. functioning. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. and uh, they've actually been able to get those refunds, which I think is honestly kind of a kind of telling and it's it's they're the worst reviewed main series pokemon games in the series history um mm. which i think is interesting because you know you can see this a couple different ways right like they're not being maligned for their actual content right like i i think what i've seen from reviews is that people are like hey we like what you've done here but we can't ignore the fact that this thing is fucking broken <laughs> you know, like and I feel like yeah, every sure. year, right? Like last year or two years ago, was it only two years ago when po the last Pokemon came out? Or was it three years ago? Uh, Arceus was, was Arceus oh, two I was, years ago. No, sorry. I was thinking of um, the mainline series. Um, Sword and Shield. No, that was like three, three or four years, years ago, I think. Three yeah. years. Okay. Three years. Got but it. By the sounds of it, the Arceus team was mostly the team that then went on to do Scarlet and Violet. So it was a real truncated yeah. schedule. Mm. Yeah. Um, Arceus came out this year in january it did wasn't it? it was in january oh, shit you're right that's what i'm saying yeah. it was really recent yeah. man right mm. like and the, was the mad not thing is ago. i remember the dis the discourse was like well arceus is an interesting first attempt god damn what are they going to do with scarlet and violet building upon this or whatever the next one was going to be and i do wonder in terms of sales obviously the money men aren't necessarily going to see it this way but how much of it was just goodwill built from Arceus? And actually, in terms of the sales hit, are you going to maybe see that next time? But see, this is what I... And this is what I think is going to happen here. They released a game that is quite broken. They broke sales records. And likely any returns that are made are probably in the vast minority because realistically, minimum, yeah, it's sure. difficult yeah. to return a game and it takes a lot. I think if you're the money motherfuckers, what they're seeing here is, oh, 
we're fine. We can release games that are kind of busted as long as it's fairly fun. No problem. And I an industry feel trend, like, yeah. right. And I just think it's getting worse because remember, Sword and Shield were kind of busted too when they came out, right? Like, and not to this extent though. They had a lot of graphical errors and a lot of technical issues within them, but they weren't even as bad. And now it's just like it, like the trend is just going downward. It's like every Pokemon release is just getting technically more fucked as it comes out. And I'm like what the hell is going on right like um, it's not just pokemon we see it everywhere you can release now fix later you know as long as long as you have a roadmap you're fine sort of thing but they don't and even unfortunately, do they even have a roadmap for this <laughs> sorry no I'm, I'm they do not joke. but it, it's I, it wouldn't surprise me they have got bikes now so but, um, but the, the, i mean the, it the, wouldn't surprise me that they don't even try to fix this because no for pokemon are until they didn't address the uh graphical bugs or like performance issues that they were there they only tried to release a better product for the dlc remember mm -hmm. those games have dlc mm -hmm. and the reason they did dlc instead of the re release it was because it was one more cost efficient and mm -hmm. two because it supposedly gave them more time to develop the next game once they finish the dlc because it takes less time to do the DLC than to make an entire new game. And which makes the, sense. But. <laughs> the, yeah, but they're doing things to to make the next game like but like having more time for to develop the next game and then they release this. Which as we stated is absolutely broken. Like I've mm. seen anything from a Pokemon like picking up colors from the other Pokemon in the party to a uh, poor um, the crocodile starter sinking the water during battle because I don't know they didn't do they they didn't fix fix him to the specific point in the ground so it it, it began to slide and slide and slide and whoop he sunk in the water there was another bug where uh, the the trainers or like the characters, the NPCs can just walk into the Pokemon battle because there isn't like a separate um, a scene. It's just the same scene. And there was this NPC just walking by in the middle of the two Pokemon battling and he just went away. And the more um, serious one is the memory leak that happens that makes your game run slower and slower until you turn it off. Mm -hmm. So was this game playtested at, at all? That's the question. Well, then I they... suppose it comes back to is this hardware because apparently Bayonetta 3 had similar memory leak things. It's, it's something I've heard just being a Switch problem as much as it's been a individual game problem. Um, there's quite a lot of games that anecdotally you read that if you restart your Switch and then start playing again, performance will improve. Yeah. Well, this is, again, yeah, this is that issue. And, like, I've talked about this a few, you know, we've talked about this a few times, but, like, I don't know. You, you hear defenders of it being like, oh, you know, like, well, it's fine. You know, it's not designed for this. And you're like, but it's it's just, like, the industry is moving on too much. Right. And like yeah. at this point now, games that are specifically designed for it fucking suck. And it's like, ah, 
right? Because Bayonetta 3 is, is like one of the, apparently one of the best action games out in ages. Apparently it's extremely fun. But then it's just like, why allow it to be hampered by this console, right? Like, I, and, and I'm not even yeah. saying like, I don't care. I don't even really care about what they look like, right? Like, you know, graphical graphics and whatnot oh, so obviously yeah. are important to a degree, right? But as long as there's like an art style there and it, whatever, that's fine. But it's like when your systems are starting to f- like struggle, that's where you're at the point where it's like, okay, like we got to have some hard conversations here because like this shit's getting a little rough. <laughs> Having said all of that, I think the nail in the coffin is that at launch Breath of the Wild ran on that console. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's... Yeah inconceivable that you can say there's anything other than a failure of development or a failure you know of, of a of a um a development cycle on the whole that causes a game like this to come out in a state like this um the hardware is the hardware i think we we all recognize that i think even nintendo would recognize that um hardware power has never really been what they've aimed for mm-hmm. but the reality is that this is just a shoddy development job yeah and like they haven't adapted to the fact that it's like they're honestly it feels like they're trying to put these out at the pace that they put out 2d pokemon and it's like listen motherfuckers you're not putting out 2d pokemon anymore these are 3d games unless they really want to i mean they could damn time yeah i know right Uh, you could pour a lot more resources into it and potentially do that but even then I, i also think though there's there is an upper limit to how much you can get done in a certain amount of time, right? You can pour all the money into the in the world into a project, but the reality is these are pieces of art, right? They're creating entertainment. And like, ultimately, I don't care how many people you throw onto it, this stuff takes time, right? It just does. Um, and it's complicated. Well, it would help if they did throw some people at it. I gather yes. that the, the team at Game Freak isn't that big to start with, and that is part of the problem. Which I think is wild. And that's probably a larger Japan issue too, right? With like their game development yeah, ethos yeah. and concept. But it's like, I don't know. It's also, it's crazy to me because I can't imagine, I'm no business folk, I can't, but I can't imagine they would lose much revenue at all if they even had a year more space between these games. Like the amount that Pokemon makes outside of these games is absurd. You know, like mm. they, they have than enough that they're making these are some of the best-selling games of all time right <laughs> like it's not even like yep. you know and then also like like yeah because i think franchise wise it is the most like uh, up there as like the largest um selling one um so anyway i just it baffles me entirely how they keep doing this and how it's like seen as ah jesus anyway <laughs> I think we've we've hit everything on that. Has anyone else got anything to throw on the heap with the whole Pokemon thing? I mean, I could talk about the science, but this is not like the thing we are talking about right now. So <laughs> I can cheat on this game for hours on end. Let's be honest, and I haven't even played it. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Maybe someday, if someone like lends me a copy or something, I might try it out and see what the what uh, how just how how it goes. Because again, I have heard it's fun, but like I don't think I'm gonna touch this. I might do the the cyberpunk thing if they ever fix it. Maybe I'll come try it. Um, because when I came back to cyberpunk, I had a great time because it was fixed. <laughs> but I also just don't think they're gonna do that because I think they release this and then they're like, moving on to the next thing, you know? Like they're not like, uh, I don't feel like they have a dedicated team like fixing shit up. They're like, get ready, start working on the DLC. 
so like smoking like fucking 20 packs of cigs a day anyway let's (laughs) why don't we move on to everybody's favorite game how long to beat the game i think it's my turn because we're doing a whole new round Uh, right it's monday because rick won last uh last time around so let's see here let's randomize this bad boy bad boy no let's see here that one's oh this is a great one total war shogun 2 for the pc uh yeah yeah the total war games are very fun and very wild (laughs) is the shogun like a specific spin-off of them the same as like total war warhammer is I don't really know how to answer. <laughs> Sick. Okay, I, I cool. mean, I think I don't know. Total War is just all Total War. You know what I mean? Like they're just different time periods. Like, like I don't think there's a main series of it, right? It's just Total War, and then whatever subgenre: Rome, Napoleon, uh, Shogun, Warhammer. Like, do, do you know what I mean? Like, I think it's just like. They're I all total mean, war. Yeah. yeah, like they're all total war, just some of them have different <laughs> things to it. I, I don't know. <laughs> first fucking play. Um, uh, I think this would be fun. So I'm, I'm going to... Um, You're gonna. Uh... I'm trying to decide what my extra because there was one that I think is interesting, <laughs> but uh... yeah, okay. So on how long to beat, there is mm-hmm. additional content for this game. I want you to tell me how many additional content is oh, measured on this game, just for on um... how long to beat. So not actually the official additional content, but just how much oh, of it okay, is registered so, yeah. on how long to beat. Okay. Any fucking different armor sets and color palettes won't be included. No, probably not. Although, I don't know. Is yeah, that, you can't that, really comment, can you? Yeah. Is that too easy to find out? I'm just, I'm, I'm just doing the, the Wikipedia just to see if, uh, if this information is like easily found. <laughs> Mm, you know what that one might be too easy so you're gonna change it yeah let's give me the percentage of retirements actually because i think that's interesting just just so you know there's only three additional content on here i just think it's 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 too low the battle of kawagao Total War Shogun 2, Fall of the Samurai, and Rise of the Samurai. Oh, well, Fall and Rise. There you go. <laughs> but I prefer the retirements because I think it's an interesting numero. See, I'm torn on retirements. So on the one hand, I feel like this is the kind of game for which there would be a high attrition rate. But on the other hand, if you're playing this game, you probably know what you signed up for. Hmm. Shit. Oh, that is a rough one. Let's see. Oh, I just saw your extras thing. Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm Rick. editing I, it now to be. Yeah, sorry. I, d- I didn't see it before I changed it, but. 
That's fine. I was spot on, like the record show. I was spot. You on. were spot on, so that's that's good. That's good. <laughs> the so I'm about to get about cheated out of two games, points. I was thinking that I actually seen the times for another Total War game. <laughs> I I don't uh, know. I think it was the Warhammer one. Oh yeah, I don't know how close Total War games are in terms of their time. I feel like they're probably um, very very like. Um, like I don't know I, I could imagine them being pretty varied my times are in I don't want to think about it anymore <laughs> it's yeah. pure shots in the Come on, there you go. get them in there alright you there got you go, your you, you got your retirement in there too okay beautiful so here we go um, alright so let me just pull up both of your thing, thingamajiggies here all right, so Paula has said for main time, 26 hours. And Rick has said 32 hours. The actual time is 26 and a half hours. Uh, so okay. that one's going to go to Paula. <laughs> that was a close one, though. Um, let's see here. Main plus, Rick has said 53 hours. And Paula has said 50 hours. But the time is 50 Five and a half hours. <laughs> so that's one one. Rick's got that's one. Don't got do one. that. <laughs> <laughs> and all right, here we go. One hundred percent. Rick has said eighty five hours, and Paula has said a hundred and twenty hours. I've uh, undershot it. You're both certain. way off. Um, it's a hundred and eighty one hours, but Paula is close. Yeah, That's disgusting. Again, I don't know how you even quantify those because with Total War games, I'm not even sure what counts as 100%. But um, for That's retirement... comments down below. Yeah, for retirement, Paula has said 7%. And Rick has said 15%. Um, the, actual the actual retirement is 12.5%. Pretty high. Um, so that's going to be two points to Rick. Yeah, yeah. That's why I wanted yeah. to do retirements because I was like, that's actually the highest I've seen in in a long time, which makes sense because again, this isn't really a game that you necessarily complete, right? This is kind of a game you play and retire. <laughs> I think for me, it's attrition. I feel like these are unbalanced, just games that a lot of people will try and just go, nope. Yes, exactly. And so the final scores here: um, Rick is at three and Powell's at two. So that's a pretty close close call for this round right now um yeah, still it's a narrow start yeah very narrow um all right well that's it for this week thanks for tuning in we'll see you next week peace bye, bye.